1960, Tom Landry took over as the head coach for a new NFL expansion franchise, the Dallas Cowboys. Landry had been a player and then coached as a member of the legendary Vince Lombardi staff, and the fledgling Cowboys organization thought that he was just the coach to get them established. The start was rocky. In the Cowboys' first season, they didn't win a game. And in their first five seasons, they averaged just over three wins a season. Despite the lackluster results, the Cowboys did not waver in their confidence in Landry, and they offered him a 10-year contract extension in 1964. The following season was the first time they won as many games as they lost. And then Landry's Cowboys proceeded to have unprecedented success for the next 20 years, including making the playoffs for 18 of them, appearing in 14 league or conference championship games, winning two of their five Super Bowl appearances, and earning their designation as America's team. So what was the secret to their success? Landry emphasized all the ways that his players were excellent and praised them for all the things they were doing right. In this way, he provided feedback that reinforced in his players' minds that they were excellent. And his 28-year Hall of Fame coaching career shows the effectiveness of that approach. In today's discussion, we'll talk about how to give and receive feedback and how to separate the wheat from the feedback chaff. Let's think significantly. Hello to all our wonderful listeners that do such a great job supporting us each and every week. My name is Pete, and I am joined once again by the Contessa of Coaching, Melissa. It's wonderful to be with you again, friend. The, the barefoot Contessa of Coaching. It's <laughs> well, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to comment on your footwear, so. <laughs> there you go. He's like, I can't see your feet. <laughs> um, yeah, that costs extra. That's behind a paywall. Um, you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I know that we normally start off with a definition and I was kind of like leaning that way in preparation for this. But mm-hmm. then I thought to myself, do we really need to, is anyone out there in listener land going feedback? N- never heard of her. Oh, but, that's, that's a shame. Cause I worked pretty hard to come up with just the right definition. Did you, I, I figured you might, because this is kind of our protocol. Well, well, I don't want to have you have done work for nothing. So, so what do you have? Okay. I've got. Feedback is information about how we are doing in our effort to reach a goal. I did not see that coming. Okay. Feedback is information. What's the last part, Pete? About how we are doing in an effort to reach a goal. An effort to reach a goal. That is very thought-provoking. Like, it could be a goal that we set. Right. It it could be a formal, informal. Sure, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be a goal that someone else has set for us, too. Like right. The goal is this. It's just it, how are we approaching that that goal? Right. It, it, I mean, it could be as simple as did I get everything I was supposed to when I went to the grocery store? Like that's mm-hmm. it's information about how I did achieving that goal. That is very interesting. It's very right. succinct. I like it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well done. I'm glad you shared that with us. Oh, I would have, thank you. To have not heard that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, not today, Pete. Put it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be terrible. So why don't we hinge off of your uh, great definition there and uh, dive into a discussion about what makes feedback good. And I'm going to define good as, as effective, as, as in letting you know if you did well at the grocery store. How's that? Sure. Yeah, right. Effective, useful, right. In, in pursuit of helping us reach a certain goal, right? Absolutely. 
So um, do, you, do you mind if I start? Uh, not at all. Of course. All right. I'm, I'm jonesing. Clearly you're like, I had a definition. I'm like, I have a whole list. Baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Let me, I, I've stepped forward. I've said my piece. I will now step back <laughs> and the floor is yours. Well, it's going to be momentarily. I'm going to volley to you. So here we <laughs> go. So I'm going to say right up front that when you provide feedback is very important. Yeah. If you're right, the, the window to provide it, super important. I agree. And it allows for, for both parties to expect that interaction that they could be prepared for. Yes. And I know that the going guidance out there, because, you know, we do our research and prep for these episodes is to, you know, say something as soon as you see it. It's almost like they tell you in the airport, see something, say something. But Mm -hmm. I am here to offer, I think there's a middle of the road approach. I think there is a sweet spot in time where I, as the giver, am prepared to give quality feedback and you as a receiver are prepared to receive it. And it might not be at that exact moment that I see it. Sweet spots are always good. I can absolutely get behind finding the sweet spot in any system because in this case, too soon, and you might have a emotional reaction Yeah. and too late and the lesson is gone. It's, it's no longer relevant. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, I talk a lot about head versus heart. And I think initially when I see things, I'm coming from heart, like an emotional response. And I have to take a moment to get it back up to head. So where it's logical sound, you know, it's going to be helpful. And, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, we do take our own advice around here. We try to. So I was thinking about ways (laughs) that I could work to incorporate my own suggestion into Hmm. my, uh, when I'm giving feedback and I was thinking about as just a reminder, feedback doesn't always have to be a formal thing. Like you alluded to earlier, right? Right. It's super easy to grab someone after a meeting or after they've been to the grocery store (laughs) and share, you know, a few specific points on the presentation or the project, the meeting that is, that has just been completed and, and give them that just a titch of guidance to sort of keep them headed in the right direction. Right. And to make that feedback, as effective as it can be, we need to make sure that we're using a positive tone regardless of the feedback that we're delivering. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. I think, you know, we were talking about this in advance of recording today and we had talked about getting negative feedback, but Mm -hmm. with a positive effect is better received than getting a glowing review from someone sending indications of negative emotions. Right. Like that you're doing a great job. And I'm like, am I, am I, (laughs) am I though? I mean, there's a lot of science behind this and we don't want to necessarily get into that. You can, of course. Uh, sure, yeah, please others. dig into that, yeah. Please dig into that. But as it refers to feedback, it's important to know that the way the message is delivered is as important as the message itself. Right, so the takeaway here is that you don't want to spring a negative review with a negative tone, especially on someone who is unsuspecting. Mm-hmm. Right? It just won't stick because of how much it stings. And there are studies that show that positive feedback goes much further toward improving performance. Yeah. In fact, um, the study that, that Pete's referring to that we discussed um, earlier is, had 400 respondents published in the Swiss Journal of Psychology, and it studied the effort of their test subjects after giving them specific forms of feedback associated with the task. So basically what happened is subjects were given the option to increase the difficulty of the task or stay at the same difficulty level after receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that those participants 
correct me if I'm wrong, right, Pete? Right. Participants receiving positive feedback were more likely to increase the level of difficulty than subjects receiving negative feedback. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly how it worked. And the most fascinating part of the study for me was that while there wasn't a scientifically significant difference in the performance of the participants based on the feedback they got, there was a net performance increase for those who got positive feedback over those who got negative feedback. So even though they were increasing their levels and taking on more challenges, while the negative group stayed at the same level and were doing the same level of tasks over and over again, the group that got the positive reviews showed an improvement in their performance. Not Again, not statistically significant, but they showed a net performance uh, increase. So if I get positive feedback, I not only select higher level difficulty tasks, but then I'm also excelling to some degree at those right. higher level tasks. It's like, oh my, it's like steroids. Wild. It's like mental steroids. Yeah. Getting, getting positive yeah. feedback. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Well, that is something to put in your kit bag and remember when you're giving feedback, like what is my end goal here? Am I trying to get more, better, you know, out mm-hmm. of this individual? Like what is the end game here? And it just has to do with the feedback we're giving and how we're giving it and when we're giving it. Right. That study just separated out because the performances were essentially the same. Mm -hmm. And the only difference was one group was told they were doing a great job and one group was told they were doing a not great job. And the results from there speak for themselves. So you, you call it steroids and I'm thinking about it as like compound interest. I just, uh, this has really made an impact on me. So um, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's a great way to describe it because it continues to give you more, right. As you continue to do it. So it's, certainly has a piling on effect, right? And and another way to make feedback a positive experience is to make sure that there's an exchange between the giver and the getter of the feedback. It's not that you don't want it to be a one-way conversation. Right. Absolutely. I know I've heard this referred to as the feedback loop, which I originally Mm. thought was something different, but then I (laughs) thought about what a loop is, right? And it insinuates Mm. this like continuous give and take. Right. So if I give you feedback, you need to be able to respond to that. Exactly. And when feedback is unidirectional, it's really not even feedback. It's actually just a correction, Mm -hmm. right? A correction comes from a place of authority and feedback should come from a place of authenticity. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely on board with you on this. I agree 100%. Ensuring that feedback is more like a conversation Mm -hmm. is a surefire way to bring some authenticity to the situation. You're allowing that space to see what organically sort of arises. Absolutely. And there's another uh, way to make it more authentic and to invite the other person to collaborate with us is to use I statements in those conversations. Um, So instead of saying something like, you know, you weren't paying attention in the planning meeting, I would say something like, you know, I felt frustrated that I wasn't able to hold your attention in our meeting yesterday. I love it. It's the framing of it, right? Mm -hmm. Not coming from me. This is me, what I observed. And then you get to respond to that versus. Versus I'm putting the onus on you. Right. And being very accusatory. Correct. Right. Right. It's just like, here's my observation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. It's like coffee talk. (laughs) Yeah. It's exactly (laughs) like that. You know, it's interesting. We talked about how much people want feedback. And I think this is a good place to start talking about that because I Mm -hmm. was wowed. Like there are studies that show that 60% of employees want feedback on a daily or weekly basis. And if your employees are under the age of 30, that number swells to like 72%. 
That's incredible. And daily might seem a bit excessive to some of you. Mm -hmm. I cause, because it does to me a little bit. Yeah. Ed Batista, he's an executive coach and an instructor at the Stanford graduate school of business. He says that once a week is pretty good frequency wise. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got a quote here from him. He says, if you're having a feedback conversation every week, there's less to be surprised by and more opportunity to modify your behavior. So again, it's that sweet spot, right? Yeah. It, well, it's trying to, trying to find that sweet spot, right? Right. And uh, definitely, as Pete is saying, there is some debate out there about what all, uh, excuse me, optimal frequency for feedback is. But here's my take. If your people are asking you for a daily, if you have that conversation, like how often would you like feedback? And they're asking mm -hmm. for a daily, trust them, right? right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and we do know from the studies, from the research, that the studies say that there aren't any benefits gained when feedback occurs more often than once every two weeks. So it, like we're saying. Well, I was going to jump in and say something because I think what we're missing is that the people that want feedback daily, I think are thinking of feedback differently than the business thinks of feedback. Yes. Good point. Right. I, it might right. be differently. I want, I want, I want yeah. my boss to stop by my desk and say, Hey, I saw you sent that email. Thanks so much for that. It was a good job. Mm -hmm. That's daily feedback, not yeah. sit down and have a conversation about how you did responding to this, you know, question. Right. And then followed up with a written email and then put it on a piece of paper and have you sign right. and me sign a data right. and send it to HR. Right. right. Because this, yeah. this, I think the study is dealing with more formal feedback. Mm -hmm. So an, an actual come in my office and sit down, let's have a conversation feedback. Right. Like blocking it out on your calendar. Right. Now. You're not going to get any more benefit than doing it once every two weeks in that format. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think that, that part of what the research reminds us of, though, is that we are really bad at guessing what others want. And, and we've talked about this before, right, that we're not good at, at understanding what people are thinking about us or what they expect from us. But the research shows that people desire feedback more often than we think they do. I think personally that I'm on the, on the needier side of the spectrum. I constantly want reassurance that I'm doing what needs to be done and that I'm meeting expectations. Right. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, give me commander's intent. Let me do it. And I'll see you when my objective is complete. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm curious okay. as, as, uh, oh, oh, oh. uh, as, um, somebody who is on the needier side of the spectrum, is that yeah. how you give feedback in the same way? Do you tend to like overdo it? No, no, I actually, as a, as a manager, I, I don't really relish the idea of giving feedback because I always thought it would be met with resistance or be an uncomfortable conversation, right? I wasn't anticipating that other people wanted to be told things as often as I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a, in alignment with that, but I, but that's because that's how I prefer to be handled, if you will. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of manage my teams. And sure. I'm finding that people definitely want more feedback. I mean, I, I see that at work. I, the studies back it up. So there was a, there was an experiment run by a Nicole Abby Esber, which she was a doctoral candidate at the Harvard business school at the time. And her research showed that only 2.6% gave folks feedback on a smudge that they had on their faces. So the smudge being like marker or lipstick or chocolate, Okay. even after these folks were like, I welcome feedback, right? If, mm -hmm. if I have a smudge on my face, I would appreciate someone telling me. Sure. And, and only 2% ended up 
giving them the feedback. And I think it goes back to what you were saying is that they, we don't think about feedback in terms of the positive outcomes that can be begot, right? Uh, that can uh. stem from getting, gaining this feedback. Mm. Instead, we're focused on, oh, it's so awkward for me to deliver this information. Right, you know? right. And it indicates that we let our short-term discomfort get in the way of having that positive impact on their long-term success. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've got, a, I've got a spoiler alert for everyone. It's only uncomfortable because we do it so rarely. It's like doing taxes for me. I do it once a year. I do it so infrequently that it's always a hassle and it's always awkward. If I did it more, it would get so much easier and I would get so much comfortable doing it. Yeah, I'm with you. Anything done, you're sort of honing your skills even in your ability to give quality feedback, right? You're you're learning over time about like, how to do it. I think it is a process and frequency we have to remember is so important because it allows for that when done correctly, feedback mm-hmm. done correctly, it allows for, you know, the level of trust to increase in that relationship. And, and as I said before, you know, I've been reticent to give my teams at work as much feedback as maybe they've craved in the past, but right. I work with very elite teams they are very technically sound and I've always thought like, well, you know, you're doing a great job. You're a SME at this. Right. Um, and I fail to think that they might, one, just want the boss to be like, great job, thumbs mm-hmm. up, you know, walk by the desk, like you said. Or I fail to also think that they might just see me as someone who has outside perspective and might yield valuable information. I'm just a, another set of eyes, you know, looking at it from a different point of view. Sure. And you bringing up the fact that you have technical people on your, on your team, mm-hmm. that brings me to something I had in my notes that I'd like to touch on real quick. And And that's that I think one of the reasons why we don't give enough feedback actually might lie in how we choose to fill our management positions, Mm -hmm. right? I've seen in in my industries where I've worked, managers get chosen for their technical skill in their field rather than their ability to interact with their subordinates. We're talking about taking your best engineer and putting them in a position where you need somebody that's adept at communication to include being a great listener and being able to give useful feedback. Right. So yeah, this happens all the time. So what you end up with is that manager who used to be your best engineer and the department she's leading becomes less engaged because she doesn't know how to communicate with them. And you're like curious about why things are on the downward slope now. Right. And you, you turn this around by prioritizing these soft skills and air quotes again, which people tend to find harder to identify during, during a job search, right? You can't list on your resume, great listener. Nobody's going to care. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the short term, you, you've got to focus on that. And then in the long term, companies can do this by building a culture where quality and frequent feedback is the norm. Right. And even if the company doesn't do that, you can create a culture within your own workspace. If absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And we'll get to it in a second. I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming up because feedback doesn't always have to be like up and down on the food chain at work, you know? And by the way, you saying soft skills, uh, soft skills now go by transferable skills, by the way, in the HR realm, just thought I'd tell you that I, I often, I even read an article where they refer to them as power skills. Oh, wow. I yeah, like that. I, I, do I, would, too. I would like to be able to say that I've got great power skills. Right. But you can. And it's interesting. You said, you know, you can't put it on a resume, but I'm going to tell you where it does come out. It comes out in the interview for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I have definitely held interviews before. I'm like, this guy is a bad listener. Does not even listen to the full question before he's rattling <laughs> off some, some, some canned answer. Canned right? answer. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, uh, just uh, we were talking about this before about us having to like kind of reframe what we thought of about feedback in order to become better at it. Because, you know, the only experience we have is, is getting feedback that was less than helpful previously, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I always found it to be very generic sort of like an obligatory thing. Like here are three things that you're doing well at. Here are three things you are not doing well at. I'll see you in six months. And despite that, which I think is a, I think honestly, that's a pretty typical experience for most people. People are clamoring for more feedback. A survey conducted in February, 2001 of over 2000 American workers found that people wanted more feedback than they wanted more money from their job. And to be clear, the study that Pete's referring to, they weren't asking for more feedback over more money. Right. They weren't like, if you could choose, yeah, it was just that 48% of the respondents said they would like to get more money and 53% said they wanted more feedback. Like like lots of people want more feedback. Right. And everyone seems to get that paying people more makes workers happy. But there seems to be less awareness that regular useful feedback can have the similar effect. And I think we're hitting on this thing, even though we're not making the point as clearly, uh, mm. it's there is the whole thing about how are you defining feedback? What does it look like? Is it the attaboy? Is it the, I saw what you did? Is it the quick email? Is it the formal thing? I think there has to sort of be a, um, you have to have a understanding between you and the people you're providing feedback to about what that looks like. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be, a. I don't think you can make a decision as a manager, right? With your team of people, I don't think you can make that decision and have your solution fit everyone the same. I oh, think exactly. A, I think a good manager has to take that person, take that Melissa and say, I need to give Melissa what she needs to do and what her limits are and just let her run. Mm-hmm. And I need to go to Pete every day and say, hey, man, I saw you did this great job. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. And that's all he needs to keep his tank full and keep pushing ahead. Right. It's just that you want those micro adjustments to make sure that you're still on an even keel for sure. Right. So do you have any other elements of good feedback? Like, like, what are we missing? What haven't we talked about yet? So I also happen to have um, the medium used for feedback on my list. Okay. So uh, there's a man who goes by the name of Marshall McLuhan, and he's a bit of a communications guru. Mm-hmm. And he came up with something that he refers to as hot and cold mediums. And let me give you examples first. So okay. he would say that hot media is like print, photographs, radio, movies. Mm-hmm. And then he would say that cold media includes speech, cartoons, the television, the telephone. So basically, hot media are high definition, they're very rich in sensory data. You're handed everything on a platter. You don't have to do a lot of thinking, mm-hmm. right? So again, that's photographs, radio, movies. It's the work is done for you. Cool media, conversely, is low definition. It provides very low sensory data. And it demands more participation or completion by the audience. Like you have to fill in the blanks. Okay. So texting would be a cool media. And I know that I have <laughs> received feedback before or what someone thought they were giving me mm-hmm. uh, that constitutes this feedback in a, in a text message. And I got to tell you, that has got to be the most awful way to get feedback via yeah. text message. I don't think you need to be a communication guru to know that texting is 
quite possibly the worst method to deliver feedback in. I, honestly, I find it to be the most frustrating way to communicate, period. It presents no context. It prohibits a genuine dialogue. Right. And as we've already said, the tone feedback is delivered in matters. Mm-hmm. And how, how would you be able to assess that? You know, just from this blank sort of just some words on your phone, you have no idea. Like, is that said like with a lilt? Is it said kind of cutesy with a winky face that's not there? You don't mm-hmm. know. Right. And that's all important. That, like oh. you said, it's all just all so important. I know that that just texting with my friends, a normal conversation, I can misinterpret tone and, and take something that meant something completely innocuous to mean something terrible. And it's it's just so incredibly frustrating. Absolutely. So, you know, we're talking about tone and how it's delivered, but mm-hmm. we have to remember too, that the content matters. And, and we did touch on this before about the experiment with, if you're given positive versus right. negative, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I probably should have included this experiment when we were talking about that, but it was a little further down in my notes. And mm-hmm. you know how this goes, Pete, where you have like 30 <laughs> pages of notes that you're combing through in order to right. make just the right point at the yeah. right time. But uh, there was a research experiment done course they divide up the groups you know you got somebody who gets positive coaching on their performance you get mm-hmm. a group that gets basically they got correction right they the coaching focused on their errors and like what needed to be done to fix them and what the scientists found is that focusing on what needed to be improved activated the students sympathetic nervous system commonly referred to as what fight or flight right and it reduced their ability to learn you know what I'm talking you know this yeah no right right and for reference, Dr. Richard Boyatzis, who's an authority in leadership development and emotional intelligence, he explained that activating this system actually inhibits access to existing neural circuits and invokes cognitive, emotional, and perceptual impairment. Yes. You stop being able to like hear, listen, learn. You just right. sort of like deer in the headlights sort of right. thing. Right. You're yeah. looking for threats, right? You're absolutely. And in contrast, you know how this story ends. I'm sure everybody does listening. The The students that were coached in a positive way had no such impairment. In fact, their parasympathetic nervous system was activated and the parasympathetic nervous system allows us to be more open to new information, ideas, challenges. It's the one you want to be right. like cooking with Chris. Right. That's the one that you feel safe in. Yes. And so absolutely. you can explore. So Everyone listening, please think about this the next time you sit down to discuss performance with someone and yeah. not just not just formally, but think about this the next time you talk to your kids about something they did. Think about this the next time you talk to, you know, your friend who borrowed your lawnmower and gave it back to you with no gas in it or whatever the case may be. Think about how the content and the tone matters when you're given this feedback. Absolutely. And if I could just take this a little step further. So I just happen to be reading a book called tell me a story. And it's about narrative and intelligence. Mm -hmm. And the premise of this book is that we don't have a lot of original thought. What we have is this repository of generic responses that can be applied to like a host of different scenarios. And what we do is we root back into our brains and we find the one that best matches the situation at hand. And we use that. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing a lot of like original thought. We're doing a lot of like retrieval out of stale sort of responses. Mm -hmm. So in addition to what Pete is saying about, think about like all of these things, also think about what it is that you are actually saying, right? I want to encourage everyone to think about feedback that is very specific, that is helpful, 
that is rich and reflective and deep because you have an opportunity to do that. It's just going to take a little bit of overriding about how we normally communicate with each other. And I think that's fantastic advice. You don't want to be regurgitating just the same talking points or the same phrasing from person to person. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not genuine. It's not authentic, which if, if anything, I think we agree that authenticity is the underlying theme of all our topics here and how important being authentic is. Um, But I think to your point, taking the time to understand and be intentional with the feedback that you're giving takes prep work. You got to do the work before you get to the point where you're having that conversation. You, You have to know what you want to say before ever approaching that person in order to have that maximum impact. But to your point about if it's going to be a conversation, which it needs to be, right. you have to be willing to just sort of hear what someone says back to you yes. and, and sometimes just listen and not mm-hmm. root around in your brain for like a, a generic reply. So good. Yep. Because I know you're saying that, you know, we want to be as authentic as possible. The interesting thing is, is that our daily conversations with each other are really, when you code them, are really just sort of like hitting the tennis ball across the net. You say your thing, I say my thing. You say right. your thing. And most of our conversations on the daily sound a lot like the conversations that everyone is having. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why when you go into like, when you have computers sort of simulate a human in order to do conversation, they're able to because we are not all that original in what we have to say. So I- where it might be normal way of speaking to each other, we got to transcend that, man. We got to we gotta get better at this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So just a couple other things I, I had on my list here, which are sort of just like, uh, you know, bits and bobs. But I think we're talking about uh, being specific too, right? Don't, mm-hmm. don't leave them guessing about what it is that you think they need to tighten up. I would say something specifically like, I'm going to need you to do three widgets, not two, versus I'm going to need you to improve your performance this week. And they're like, well, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Be specific. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. And in that same spirit, don't overwhelm them with a bunch of things to work on. Like keep it to just a few and and the less you can do, the better. Right. Which is easier to do if you're giving feedback frequently, right? And, and informally, as we've been talking about. Sure. Just stopping by and being like, hey, I need you to, to focus on this one thing for the next couple of days mm-hmm. will have such a dramatic impact over sitting them down and formally saying, Hey, here's a list of 15 things I think you need to tighten up because that's just going to overwhelm them. Well, right. You're going to activate my system, which makes me hear nothing, right? Right. right. You're going to think your job's in danger and then nothing's going to get done. Exactly. And I I definitely want to take a beat to focus on what you said about about feedback being a game changer because it it undeniably is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The benefits of a feedback-rich work culture include higher performance at all levels, increased employee engagement, and a reduction in office conflicts, all of which combine to make the workplace a safer space for idea exchange and creativity. So to your point about giving generic feedback, we know that getting to the heart of assessing someone's objective performance, it's, it's not easy, but the benefits are vast. Yes. Coaching for excellence is hard. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. And we're not usually coached in how to coach, Right. Right. And I think also just something to that we all need to remind ourselves of is that there are many roads to excellence. You know, the focus of our feedback really needs to rest on the results of someone's effort and not how someone gets there. I've Mm -hmm. often had to catch myself. I'm like, but that's not how, 
that's not how it's supposed to be done. And I'm like, right. who defines how it's supposed to be done, Melissa? Like if the objective is being met, you know, so we just have to keep that in mind that even though we'd be more comfortable with having it done in a certain way, the bottom line is if the work is getting done, that's what works for that individual. Again, what is feedback? Achieving that goal. Right. How is that person approaching that goal? Right. You know, giving them feedback based on how they're doing it. That's approaching micromanagement at that point. That's not, that's not feedback any longer. Right. right. And giving feedback is the best way to ensure that you're aligned with the person you're engaging with. Right. Since we almost always give feedback as a means to improve performance over time. It's important that we keep that in mind and craft our feedback in a way that communicates our intent to foster growth. As we've already said a few times, being overly critical actually demotivates employees and hinders their growth. Mm -hmm. So, so far we've talked mainly about giving feedback, but I I definitely think it would be wise to use our remaining time to talk about receiving feedback. Okay. Good as place as any to start pivoting here. So I could say that the easiest thing to do is to invite feedback, you know, remind ourselves that feedback is nothing to be afraid of. Feedback is part of our continuous improvement journey. Right. And it absolutely is. But, but you also have to remember that it, it's someone else's assessment and we need to focus on the parts that are valuable to us, not the best things, not the things that we want to hear the most, but the things that are actually the most valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're familiar with Sheila Heen's book. Thanks for the feedback. Yes. Um, thanks for the feedback, the science and art of receiving feedback well. Mm-hmm. And she says that seeking out the right kinds of feedback actually contributes to our happiness at work. And we did not bring this up last month when we talked about happiness, but <laughs> we should have, damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She says that people who go out and solicit negative feedback, meaning they're not just like, tell me I'm pretty, mm-hmm. but they report higher satisfaction, right? Oh, Those wow. are the folks who are adapting more quickly to new roles getting the higher performance reviews, getting enrolled in Jam of the Month Club. Yeah, Yeah. those are the people, those are your high flyers that say, what could I be doing better? So what she's saying is that just like giving feedback, where we want to remember that our purpose is to develop people's skills to make them better. When we're soliciting feedback, we need to have that same intentionality. We don't want to hear, like you said, we don't want to hear that we're pretty. We want to hear, what can I do to be better? Right. Yes. And remember, we have to keep in mind that not everyone is comfortable giving feedback. That's Mm -hmm. the first part of this show, right? Right. 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 It's all coming together. It's all all, here it goes. Watch, (laughs) watch me dovetail. Yes, exactly. So, you know, you can ask the hard questions. If you, if you know someone is specifically not good about giving feedback, you could say, what are two areas I can work on to improve on in the next six months? Uh, What about my performance on that last presentation? Would you like to see me do better? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and press for actual quality, rich, substantive answers. Right. And don't forget that you're you're essentially giving feedback to people on their ability to give feedback, which is kind of meta. Very uh, meta. Hashtag meta. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when you're doing this, keep that tone positive with them so that they can give you the best feedback they can. Make it you know, we've talked about this in, in several conversations, but you've got to make that a safe space for them to express themselves. Because, the you know, as we've said, these conversations get awkward because we're going to criticize you. We're going to criticize you to your face. And that's awkward. So if you come at it with a positive atmosphere and, and, a, and a welcoming attitude, it'll be that much easier for them to, to give you what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. 
Well, even you just saying criticizing, I, I think that's one way to frame it. But in my head, I was like, how do I turn that? Because that word initially like made me go like, I balk, right? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, I'm soliciting for opportunities for further growth and expansion. Yeah. Like, I just have to think of it in terms of I want to be the best, right? right. Which was last week's episode, right? Best. <laughs> That's why I'm pursuing the PhD. I want to be the best. Right. No. Yes. Credential creep. I also want to be a lunch lady. So I need a PhD, (laughs) but I want to be the best, not for the letters after my name, but simply because I just want to. You've got an internal drive, right? I do. I want to do the best that I can here with my short amount of time here on earth. Right. So to that end, Mm -hmm. um, I would say uh, a point I alluded to earlier, a little foreshadowing there is that don't just limit getting feedback from your boss, from the guy who normally rates you. Ask your peers for feedback, your your direct reports, contractors that you work like just tangentially with. Anywhere that you are interacting with somebody, you have an opportunity for a new perspective on your performance. Take advantage of all of those information streams. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think some of the most useful feedback I've ever gotten have come from my subordinates. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that see an aspect of my performance or my behavior or however you want to couch that, that my boss doesn't see. So he couldn't possibly give me feedback on that. Right. Absolutely. And those, those, your direct reports, uh, your direct reports, rather <laughs> direct supports. That's yeah. kind of a novel way to think about that. <laughs> uh, I'm like, Hmm, there's an article there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they are probably working with you more often than your bosses. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing I'd add to the 360 feedback uh, thing you just said is to seek out a balance in what you're soliciting as well. Right. We talked about seeking out that negative feedback, but if you're being consistent about asking for feedback regularly, if you make that a, a habit, you need to be ready to accept kudos when they're offered as well. Oh yeah. I'm tough with the kudos. Like I'd rather you tell me I did something wrong because I feel like I can fix that. Whereas if you tell me I did a good job, I'm like, how will I sustain? Um, Something I recently learned, which I I found to be a game changer personally, and and you can apply this to many facets of your life, potentially at work or just just in your your personal life, is that when someone gives you a compliment, you respond with, thank you. It's true. I get a little choked up talking about that even because, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, not only am I being like, well, thanks for that versus me like, nah, really, it was nothing, man. You right. know, but not only do I have to say thank you for it, but now I have to be like, I agree with you. And like, I don't always agree with the people that are giving me the kudos, right. you know? Yeah. yeah, you and I have had discussed offline how difficult it can be for some of us to take positive feedback, especially from people that we uh that we respect. And well, we're just coming off of imposter phenomenon, right? right. We just talked about this two episodes ago. It just, it just goes kind of hand in glove with that. You know? It really does, yeah. We have to remember to engage that rational mind. And if mm-hmm. you are soliciting feedback regularly, like Pete said, and you're hearing the negative as well as the positive, then you should have more confidence that they mean the praise they're offering. Right, because then you can't convince yourself that they're just blowing smoke because they've told you before that you need to tighten things up. So right. you've got to have confidence that they will continue to tell you those things. So, so the when they tell thing, you, tighten yep. it up, Right. You say, thank you. It's true. Right. Yep. I tightened it up. Yes. Yep. And when they say you knock that out of the park, you also say, thank you. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to make sure that we don't 
discount the value of self-analysis and introspection in this process, right? We're talking a lot about other people telling us how we're doing, but I think this is a good time to pull this into the conversation. But being able to give yourself an honest assessment of your own performance can be a boon to your self-interest and help propel you along a path of consistent self-improvement that we've talked about in a whole episode before, right? Mm -hmm. If you feel you need to improve in an area, if that's your assessment, don't wait for someone else to tell you it's necessary before pursuing it. Just pursue it, you know, go work on getting better there. Right. And, And Pete knows this about myself. I have this weird thing where if I notice something that's annoying or that I don't like in someone else, I've always taken this as a sign of the universe telling me, like giving me a mirror and being like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what it looks like. And it's been like, just to frame it that way, be like, I don't like when that person does that to me. And I'm like, where in my life am I doing that to somebody else? And I'm like, you need to ixnay on that. So like Pete is saying, uh, you can definitely have your inner critic get involved in this feedback loop, right? You don't necessarily have to just solely rely on, on the feedback from others around us. Um, you, you know, you know what the right thing to do is usually. So yeah. you just gotta, you gotta listen to that inner voice, that Jiminy cricket on your shoulder, man. Yeah. I think our squeeze has been worth this juice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I, I think so. We've, we've gone from how to give feedback to how to get it and, and what to do if you're not getting any. So that's pretty comprehensive. Yes. And I'd like to say before we go that I think you've done a wonderful job this episode. I, I, I think I think you've contributed some really fantastic and, and thought provoking points. Thank you. It, it's it's true. No, <laughs> that's it awesome. Sounds so wacky when I say it. I can't even. So let me fool you guys. I don't say thank you. It's true. But it's a novel idea. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to try to do that. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try. You did a great job yourself. Well done. Oh, thank you. It's true. (laughs) So how about you send us out? I would love that. Melissa and I would love to continue this discussion with you all on social media. What has been your experience giving and getting feedback? How often do you have a feedback session with your boss? How often do you give feedback to your direct reports? How about your peers? How about yourself? Uh, Would you consider your workplace to be a feedback-rich environment? Reach out and let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ThinkSigPod and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please rate and review us on your podcast platform and invite your curious friends to listen. Pete and I will be back next week to wrap up this month's discussion about that's how they get you. Until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you. (laughs) 